0: Let's pray, Jesus. We want you to open the eyes of our hearts. We want you to reveal to us truth, even if that truth stings, even if it hurts, even if it's not what we want to hear—the furthest thing from what we want to hear. We want to know what is real and what is true, so that so that we can make decisions that are that um, that are in our best interests, or we want to uh, know. Number one, I pray that you'd reveal to us how much you love us today. And number two, I pray that you'd reveal uh, if we are receiving that love and living in that love. Uh, We need you to show us these things because my words as just a man are um, insufficient at best. And so we need your Holy Spirit to do all the work for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been studying the book of Mark, and Jesus has been beginning his great work of salvation, or what we learned last week of bringing the kingdom of God to this world. And, and what is bringing the kingdom of God? Well, we learned that it's transforming every wrong into rights, every pain into joy, every nation, every city, every family delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That is Jesus's job description. He's like a contractor who's been hired to do this job, and he's going to do a good job. So um, he's, he's got to have some new political idea, right? Or, or maybe he he plans to Use taxes and collect taxes to help everybody out and accomplish his plan. Or at least he needs to kick out the people who are running things now because they're all racist and stupid. What do you think? Is that his plans? No, it's not his plans. The first order of business for Jesus is people. Jesus starts his his reforming of the whole world, his fixing the entire planet, he started by calling some insignificant people to follow him, to be his disciples. He calls just a few men uh, who who will learn from him, learn his ways, but most importantly, who will be loved by him and be transformed by him. Jesus is looking for a few good men. Well, he's actually not even looking for good men. He's just looking for men. They don't have to be good because he loves men and women. And he is looking, searching for someone who would say, I'll I'll follow you. I will be loved by you. I will be transformed by you. Later, these guys are going to be used by Jesus after Jesus dies and rises from the dead. They're going to be used to transform the world. But that's a long time away from today what we're going to be studying when they get called. And, and right now, all they need to worry about is following Jesus. Spurge and quote, Spurge and quote. You guys ready? All right. You cannot be Christ's servant if you're not willing to follow him, cross and all. What do you crave? A crown? Then it must be a crown of thorns if you're to be like him. Do you want to be lifted up? So you shall. But it will be upon a cross. So we're going to be learning about relationship with Jesus, what it looks like to follow Jesus. Our text is Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. It says, As he walked by the Sea of Galilee... Now Simon, or he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further from there, he also saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were there in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. So you can notice a bunch of specific words that I have underlined or maybe that that emphasized in the follow me, I thought were pretty important words as I was reading through that. Uh, he says, I will make you. He didn't say, you're going to have to learn how. He says, I'm going to make you to be fishers of men. Um, I see that they left their, their nets and they followed him. And, and then the next ones, the, the next guys, they went after him, which I feel like is the same thing as followed him. So that's the story. That's the text that we have. Now, the crazy thing. Mark doesn't tell us this, but this is not the first time that Simon, Peter, and Andrew have met Jesus. Did you guys know that? In uh, John chapter 1, it teaches us that, that uh, Andrew was actually one of John the Baptist's disciples. And when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, Andrew was there, and, uh, and he asked John the Baptist, like, who is this guy? And John the Baptist was like, that's the Lamb of God, that's the Messiah. And Andrew thought Jesus was the Messiah, and so he went and got his brother Peter and introduced him to Jesus. So why does Mark skip that part of the story and tells us that this is when they met Jesus? Well, he doesn't say this is when they met Jesus, does he? He says this is when they started to follow Jesus. You see, they met him. But for some reason, they chose not to follow him. This is when they left behind everything. This is when they truly begin to follow Jesus. They were probably just checking him out before. They're probably like, "Who is this guy? Is this really the Messiah, you know?" And what does Jesus, why does Jesus find them casting their nets and, and mending their nets today? Why is that their activities today? If they had met Jesus before, why were they fishing today? They are fishing because they weren't following. They're fishing because they weren't following. If they were following, they wouldn't have time for fishing. And for some reason, they decided not to follow Jesus after they met him with John the Baptist. Everyone has to make their own decisions on whether they're going to follow Jesus or not. Jesus calls many, he says. I've called many, but how many actually follow him? Few. He says, I've called many for salvation, but few are those who actually find it. Are we going to respond to the call of Jesus to follow him? That's our question for today. uh, These are Jesus' best friends. Peter, Andrew, John, and James. They're, They're mentioned more than any of the other disciples, maybe besides Judas, but that was a bad decision. They are his best friends. These are his chosen disciples. These are apostles and foundation of the church. These are his leaders. And they didn't even choose to follow Jesus the first time they met him. Why? Well, it's a good thing Jesus is patient with us. Because I think Jesus has been calling you for days and weeks and years. And I think many of us have resisted that call and we've kept busy with our own lives, our own fishing and our own mending of nets. And I think Jesus has been very patient In fact, I know he has because you're still alive. But I'm hoping that today you hear a call in your heart and you respond by leaving everything behind and saying, you know what? I'm all in. I'm going to follow Jesus with everything today. What is the mission of a Jesus follower? What's our mission? To make disciples. That's the mission of the church. You hear that tossed around a lot, a mission-minded church or a missional church. That's a really fancy way of saying we're a church that wants to make disciples. And it's a really good thing. So what is a disciple? Disciple. If Jesus has called you to be on his mission, he's like, hey, we got open enlistment for my army today. Come out, join my army. We have a mission and it's to conquer this world by making disciples. Then we should know what it means to be a disciple. Is a disciple someone who does stuff or is a disciple someone who knows someone? The answer is this one. A disciple is not someone who does stuff. Jesus is not looking for someone who does stuff. And that does not mean you are a Christian follower of Jesus, that you do stuff. A disciple is someone who knows Jesus. Knows him. Follows him, has a relationship with him, depends on him. That's what a disciple is. So our mission is to make disciples a disciple is someone who f- is a follower of jesus a disciple has left everything behind and is now following jesus a disciple lives by his jesus his spirit and and a disciple feeds off of jesus's love that's what a disciple is are you asking yourself the question am i really a disciple of jesus that's a good question to ask today It's a good question to ask every day, but especially today. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me is not an invitation to a destination. Follow me because we're going to the chocolate factory. It's not a destination. Follow me is an invitation to a relationship with a person. A relationship that will radically transform who you are and how you live. That's what follow me means. Christianity is not a religion, that, that, um, but a relationship, right? We, you hear it all the time. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And that's a great thing. That's a very, very true thing, which is why Jesus, uh, following Jesus will always result in a radical life change because it's, it, it's his work. He says, I will make you. Fishers of men. I will make you what you need to be. I will make you effective. Your job is just to follow me. Now, if we had um, time, we would read through all four gospels today, and and maybe you spend the next few years reading over all four of the gospels and take each story. And in each of the stories, you could divide them into one of three boxes. Let's say you took some scissors to your to your um. um Bible, maybe you don 't want to do this, but you could you could divide them into three boxes, you could take them all and and in each of these three boxes would be a uh, each story in in the Gospels would could be put in one one of these three boxes of relationships, okay every story in the Gospels is about relationships and and the first box that you could have would be this box, which would be. Jesus' relationship with his Father. Okay? now that's, So that's one of the boxes. The second one, we'll put over here, Jesus' relationship with his followers. Okay? These, these Gospels are all about relationships. And then the third box that you could put every story in the Gospel would be the world. I'll put this one over here. And you could cut them up and you could divide them in there and it would be a pretty cool exercise for you to figure out how to divide each one, which each story is really applicable for. So what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? If, if the gospels, the stories, the, the, the four gospels, if they're all about Jesus's relationships with the father, his followers, and the world, then to be a follower of Jesus I need to understand it is about relationships. Relationships with my God, my Father. Relationships with my family, the followers of Christ, the believers that are around me, my church. And thirdly, my relationships with the world. So to be a follower of Christ looks like this. A daily intimate fellowship and relationship with your Heavenly Father. Do you have that? Are you a follower like Jesus was a follower? Do you have a relationship with God? How about a relationship with a family of believers? Are you in a relationship connecting in community with other believers? That's what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. Well, I can follow Jesus in the mountains with no people because I hate people. That's not what that box says. That box says Jesus loves people and he's committed to his family and his followers. And if you want to be his follower, you must be committed to to his family. Thirdly, do you have a relationship with the world? Are you cultivating relationships with other people in this world that don't know God yet? And are you willing to introduce them to this God that you know? Those three relationships, every relationship in my life, can be divided into one of those three boxes. And relationships are always developed with one four letter word time. Time. Investing time into those relationships. How do we spend our time? We can spend our time to develop these three primary relationships. We can choose that. How do you invest your time? You get just a few hours every day to, to spend however you want. You get a few hours every week, every month, and really you only get a few hours in your whole entire life. How are we going to spend that time? I think to be a Jesus follower, we need to surrender control of our time. Surrender. I hate that word. That's why I named my church White Flag. Because in my flesh, I do not want to surrender control. I want to be in control. I don't want to follow you. I want to follow me. Anyone else like me? Yes. This is how we are. We do not want someone to say, follow me. So Jesus doesn't boss us. He doesn't say, you must follow me. He invites you. Come, follow me. You want life? You want joy? You want peace? You want everything I have to offer? Great, come follow me, which means you have to surrender time. You have to surrender control of your time. And you have to build these relationships. These relationships do not magically happen. They are built with time. So if we surrendered our time to, to have some God time in our life, what would it look like? We would abide in God's word and win prayer. Let's say you were to surrender 2% of your day. Do you know how long that would be? Just 2%? 30 minutes. Could you surrender 2% of your daily time to building a relationship with your Heavenly Father? That's a... That's an interesting question. Am I so power control hungry that I refuse to give up 2% of my time? You're not going to tell me what to do with 30 minutes of my day. That's my time. Okay, Jesus said, okay. All right, you get, take your 30 minutes. But your relationship with your father is going to be an empty box. Give me nothing there. You're the one that's going to miss out. All right? What about, what if I surrendered my time with my my family of believers? Do you know what 2% of your week is? Three hours. 2% of your week is three hours. So, You know what that looks like real easy? Hour and a half on Sundays and another hour and a half sometimes during the week. Maybe going to a small group, maybe getting together with a brother to encourage each other and to pray or a sister or a group, small group or what of some kind. Can we surrender 2% of our week to build relationships like God has told us to? He said, follow me. As I'm following Jesus through the Gospels, he's building relationships. Every story, he's investing time in relationships with his Father, the followers, and the world. Am I doing the same thing? Am I following Jesus? The third one would be surrendering time with the world. Am I going on mission yearly? Maybe... Do you know what 2% of your year looks like? Seven days. I know a lot of people, they're like, I want to go on a mission trip once a year. Even if it's not across the world, maybe it's just I want to give seven days of my year to serving the community in some way, building relationships actively outside of my family believers, outside of my friends and, and family in the city, but going out and meeting people and actively saying, I'm here, just God, use me if you want. Are we going to surrender 2% of our time to the Lord? This all would add up to 6% of your life. If you were doing all of this, if you were surrendering control of these periods of time, it would add up to 6% in your life, and your life would be forever changed if you chose to invest 6% of your life into relationships like Jesus asks you to. Our life would be radically transformed if we truly chose to follow jesus am i a jesus follower i go to church i say i love god i truly do love god i vote for who i think is right i'm not a rule breaker i try my best to give what i should but am i really following jesus In America, we have this perverted idea that our time belongs to us. That it is my life. Nobody's going to tell me what to do with my time. Jesus is not going to tell you. He's going to invite you to follow him. And if we choose, we would be used to transform this world. Our life would be transformed to be... Effective for God's kingdom, or a fisher of men. Let's look at the three relationships a Jesus follower must have, and see if the marks of a Jesus follower are in our life. So let's start with a, this box here, okay? The father relationship, and we're going to look at what the uh, what marks of a, of, a, of a Jesus follower look like. What what are the marks of someone who is investing their time with? their Heavenly Father. And there's one key word that goes with this question, with this box, and that's the word abiding. Abiding. Okay? So I'm going to give you five marks of a life that is abiding with God and in God's word and God's truth. Okay? A a life that is sitting at his feet each week, that is opening the word and praying and really connecting with their Father. First would be identity. Identity. Do I find my identity in what God says about me? Do I believe what God says about me? That I'm loved, that I'm forgiven, that I'm useful, that I'm called, that I'm valuable to him. Because those things God says about me, my identity is that i he's going to make me a fisher of men. He loves me. He's forgiven me. That's my identity. Is your identity strong? That's a mark of someone who is abiding with the Father. Isn't that cool? Man, my identity is up and down, and I feel good, and then I feel bad. This box needs some attention. This box needs some time. You need to invest in spending time with him, learning him what he thinks about you, what he's done for you. Just sitting at his feet. He doesn't even give you tests, like written tests. He just says, come learn from me. I love you. I love spending time with you. I didn't like tests. I don't like tests, So I'm glad he doesn't do that. The second thing that is a mark of someone who spends time with the Father is obedience. Am I yielding to what the Spirit directs me to do, or do I resist Him all the time? If you find that obedience is hard for you, there's one reason and one reason alone. Not because you're an idiot, not because you're a jerk, and not because you're just broken, but because you have not invested time to let his submissive obedient heart grow in you it is all about relationship we don't have an obedience problem as much as we have a time problem i'm not in, i'm not really Willing to invest my time in a relationship with the Heavenly Father, asking Him to transform me, submitting my heart and will to His forming hands. Does that make sense? The next one would be the Word. Do I look at the Bible and trust the Bible as my, as my guide to teach me? Well, no, I, I go up in the woods and I look at the trees. No, I'm sorry, that's not where He is revealed Himself. There's some revelation there. It's called general revelation. But the word of God is specific revelation. This gives us actually his thoughts. You know, if you just look at nature, you're like, God loves lions to eat little lambs. That's actually not true. God designed lions to live alongside lambs. But it's all fallen and perverted now. So we can get some of what God's idea is for the world through nature, but we can't get the specific revelation. We must abide in his word. That's a mark of someone who's spending time with God, is the word of God is their, their life source. Prayer is the next one. Do I talk to God consistently, genuinely, and trustingly? Very good questions. Or do I avoid every time, every possible time I have to just get alone and pray? Do I... Do I Find something else to do during those times. This is what we talked about yesterday during our men's breakfast is, is just this very specific idea. The next one would be intimacy with my father. Do I understand that God is jealous for my heart and my mind? And do I surrender to his loving invitation to abide? There's a mark that I have an intimate life with my father. If the answer to, it was no to any of these um, questions or these marks in your life, then I think you should, I'm suggesting uh, that the solution for that is time. that To invest time with him with relational realities of humility and faith. Saying, okay God, I'm going to come with you, I'm going to invest some time because I want to see these things in my life. I can't make myself have a better identity. I can't make myself obey. I can't make myself put my trust and hope in the word. I can't make myself pray as I should. But I want you, Father, to take me by the hand and lead me. So I'm going to invest some time just getting alone with you. Okay. The second, the second uh, relationship that Jesus focused was on his family of believers, his his followers. And the key word for this one would be connecting. What was the key word for the first one? Abiding. Abiding. Good job. The key word for this one is connecting. Am I connecting with the body of Christ? His, his family. And here's the five things that we're going to emphasize for this. Love. Do I love others as Christ loved me? Wow. Do I love others as Christ loved me? Willing to sacrifice, willing to sacrificially give my life for everyone in my family of believers. That's the mark of someone who is, a who, is investing in these relationships. Honor is the second word. Do I think of others as more important than me? There's the mark of a Jesus follower. He loved other people pretty well. He honored people. He, thought it, he gave others more honor. He thought they were more important than himself. Instead of preserving himself, he gave what he, need, what he had for everybody else. The third one is reconcile. Do I ask for forgiveness and give it freely? The fourth mark would be um, serving. Do I meet the needs of other people, other followers? That's what a Jesus follower does. Hey, I'm here to meet your needs. The last one would be disciple. Am I leading others to live by the grace of Jesus? Maybe you're discipling your, your your kids, but you're not involved in discipling anyone else in the family of God. A Jesus follower will be discipling other people. Follow me. Let's follow Jesus. Let's go. And that can look different with depending on your gifts. It doesn't mean you teach a Bible study to everybody. But maybe you're the person that comes alongside and says, let's follow Jesus. I don't know what that means, but let's go to church and pray and open up the Bible and read. You don't have to be an expert in anything to follow Jesus. Look at the guys he chose to follow him. You're all more skilled than they are. But the one thing they have that maybe we don't is they were able to leave it all behind because they had nothing anyway. They really value. I mean, they were fishers. They could have made a a living being fishermen, but they chose to leave it all behind and say, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you do. You spend time with your father, teach me how to do that. You spend time with other believers, I hate all these people. Teach me. How do I not hate these people? They're all weird and needy and difficult. How do I not hate these people? Jesus says, I'll teach you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you're tired of loving these people, come to me and I will give you rest and I'll teach you. I'll give you my heart for these people. If the answer was no to any of those questions of am I I investing in relationships with God's followers, I, I suggest to you the answer is time. Give, surrender time and invest time with the family of God with humility and faith. Saying, okay, I don't know why you have me there. I hate the, some of the tasks I have to do, and I honestly can't stand some of the people. But, but I got to follow you. I can't live my life not following you. I got to follow you. So if that's what it is, okay, I'm going to follow you. The third relationship with, with the world. Am I investing any time? With the world and the key word for this one is sharing. What was the key word for Father? Abiding. What was the key word for the church and followers? Connecting. And the key word for the world is sharing. Here's our here's our marks, okay? Am I generous? Do I give to support what God is doing through my church, through missions? Do I give? Next word is story. Am I prepared to share how grace has changed my life? And am I willing to share it with people who don't believe? Do I spend time crafting my story? If I get, if I get 30 seconds, here's my 30-second version of what Jesus has done in my life. If I get two minutes with this person, here's my two-minute version. If I get half an hour with someone, here's my half an hour version. And if I get 10 months, I'm going to share those over and over and over. And I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep sharing what Jesus has done in my life. Are we, is that mark on our life that we're willing to share? I, I, there was a really interesting article I read this week about why Christians don't share the gospel. And the point of that article is that most Christians don't believe that these people are going to go to hell. We don't believe it. We don't believe a God of love would send people to hell, which is it's like kind of a basic thing. If you reject Jesus, there is no other place for you except hell, and hell sucks. So why are we not telling everybody about his wonderful grace that he says no one has to go to hell? It doesn't matter who you are, what you do, what sin, come to me and I will forgive you. But a lot of us aren't investing any time going out and and seeing how lost people are and how broken people are and how much people are hurting and, and are scared of hell. And we're just like, oh, we're good. Oh, my life is so busy. When am I going to give seven days to, to reach out to this lost and dying world? Sounds really selfish when we say it like that, huh? Next one would be people. Am I building new relationships with those who don't know God? Am I specifically trying to meet people who don't go to my church and who aren't part of my world? Um... Fourth and fifth would be local and global. Am I concerned about God's kingdom in my, in my local community? Do I even care what's going on in all the, you know, the governments and all the different things in my community? And then am I concerned about God's kingdom in this world, about overseas? Do I pray for Venezuela? Do I pray for, I don't know, whatever other awful place you can think of? Texas. Just kidding. <laughs> Um, if the answer is no, then we haven't been investing time in those relationships. Invest time with other cultures, and with faith and humility. You know, we have Spanish Bible studies Saturday nights, and that is open for anyone to come and meet people who don't even speak English, aren't even from our country. We're reaching out to them, and we are planning a big outreach to the Venezuelans who live in Denver. We found 2,500 of them. We're going to sneakily get them all. We found a Facebook group, and we're going to get them. And we're doing this big outreach, and we're planning a prayer, a prayer for Venezuela. Because I don't know if you know, Venezuela is, like, awful. Like, they don't have any food. Their people are dying, fleeing. It's terrible. And we're planning an outreach for the Venezuelans in, like, maybe October. Jesus is in charge. So if you have any questions, talk to Jesus and Lindsay. So we're going to be doing this outreach and I'm bringing this up right now because God wants you to be involved. I'm not asking you, God, I'm telling you, God wants you to be involved. We're going to do it like on one day of the week, and we're going to go out there and we're going to love on people who don't speak our language and aren't from here, and they're honestly scared to be here. They don't know this culture. They don't know what's going on. And we're going to love on them. We're going to pour into them. Or we're going to sit at home and play our video games and do our stuff. I hope and I'm praying that our church is a church of Jesus followers. Not self-followers. Jesus followers. Are we? I'm not not guilt-tripping anybody. Because I I feel it in my own heart. Am I a follower of Jesus? So I want to ask one question. you You might be asking this one question. Why should I follow Jesus? I got a lot going on. And for me to leave everything I got going on and turn my back on all the stuff that I all the projects at home and all the things at work and for me to really leave that all behind is a big ask. So you're asking why should I follow Jesus? Turn with me to Philippians three, verse eight. Paul answers that question for us in Philippians when he says Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, the guy I follow, right? For whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And you guys know that word rubbish is trash, or literally the word "dung, although it's the more vicious term for dung that people say that I'm not going to say. That's the word in Greek. Paul teaches us that following Jesus is more valuable, more beneficial than everything else in this world. So there's his argument to you. If you're debating, like, am I really going to follow Jesus? Paul's like, everything else is crap. That's what he says. Relationship with Jesus is so excellent that everything else is trash. Dung. Smelly. (laughs) Are we holding on to our trash when we should let go and hold on to Jesus alone? What is there in your life that you will not let go of? I'm telling you right now, it's dung. Anything. It's trash. Maybe it's a relationship you know what, I, I know this relationship is not good for me, but it's the only place I feel loved and valuable and really who I am. And Jesus is like you're holding on to a giant, steamy trash pile. Why? Jesus loves you more than that person. Jesus values you more than that person. They value you, not at all compared to him. There's no measuring of how much Jesus loves you. And he's saying, please let go. You don't need them. You need me. I truly love you. Are we holding on to a dung relationship? A job. where it's where I feel important and needed and ah, I'm awesome at this job. But it takes up everything. You got nothing left to give to your family or to the world or to God. Hmm. Am I just holding on to dumb? How about forgiveness? Unforgiveness. Man, I I just feel so justified in my anger and my bitterness. Jesus like you're like squeezing the hot, steamy trash between your fingers and you love it. Why? Let go. Let me wash you with my spirit and my love. Obey me. Follow me. Choose to forgive, and I will wash you clean. Man, I'm holding on to my pleasures, the things that I really enjoy doing, feeling, having fun, like feeling joy and happiness. It's that's what American is, right? The pursuit of happiness. Jesus, like that is just dung compared to the joy of knowing me and my love. Man, going to church is so boring. I could be totally owning some noobs. I could be totally doing something that I want to do. And Jesus is like, you are so misinformed. Spending time with the creator of joy, learning about the depths of joy that Jesus feels when he looks at you, is not dumb. Everything else is. Man, I'm holding on to this idea or this political philosophy where I feel, I feel right and I feel i got a plan to change things in this world and I can accomplish it if only the people will vote the way I do. God's like, it's all crud, man. Both of them. It's all junk. It's Jesus only. He's the only thing that you can hold on to, put your trust in. Jesus said he's going to come and fix everything. Pray for that. Anything we put our trust in or return to other than Jesus is an idol, and Paul calls it also trash. Anything. Jesus says, I want you to follow me so fully, so intensely so enduringly that all other attachments in your life look weak by comparison everything else ah oh, it's all right if i lose that it's all right if it don't work out it's all right cuz i have jesus that was a quote from tim keller credit it's jesus said you got to love me so much that it looks like you hate everybody else by comparison remember that verse The consequence of having idols in our life is that God takes away our peace. There's just something in our being that will not accept idolatry, and that's called the Holy Spirit. Now, if you don't feel anything with idolatry, then you're not saved. You don't know the Lord. And you need to invite him, like, I need your Holy Spirit. I I want to be transformed. Here's a quote from Billy Graham. How about that? I haven't quoted him in a long time. When we come to Christ, we're no longer the most important thing in the world to us. Christ is. Instead of living only for ourselves, we have a higher goal to live for Jesus. To follow Jesus. So, we either follow Jesus and invest in these three relationships and have peace, or we hold on to the things that we want and we miss out on his perfect supernatural peace. We're going to be stressed. We're going to be like, ah, spending time with God. Ah, it just stresses me out. Oh, going to church, I hate that. I don't want to, I hate this world. I hope it all burns. All right, that's not a Jesus follower. So we either follow Jesus and invest in these things or that becomes who we are. Just dead. Or, like, Or we follow Jesus and we experience what's excellent, Paul says. You get the excellence of knowing Him. Or we hold on to other things and experience holding on to a giant steaming pile of trash. And literally, it just, our lives will have the odor of trash. Man, I really don't like spending time with that person because all they think about is this thing, that thing. That's their whole life, it's not Jesus. We follow Jesus because, you know, he's pure. Or we, you know, he's pure and he's he's perfect or we play in a giant pile of steaming dung. All the riches and glory of this world. Try not to get any on you. Doesn't work. Why should I follow Jesus? My argument to you is cuz he is life and anything outside of him is not really living. It's dying. Why do I want to die? Follow him. Turn from everything else, leave behind the nets, and follow him. It's funny. Things get caught in nets, don't they? I think a lot of times we get caught up in the things that we're holding on to instead of them bringing us freedom. Like, oh, if I just catch enough fish, I'll be set free with money. Money. Or if I just mend these enough, then they'll be so good that they'll just work really well and I'll be set. Instead of those, we end up getting caught in our own nets. Man, I want to know Jesus. I want to follow him, but it's hard to leave everything behind. Here's a quote from Oswald Chambers. If I'm going to know who Jesus is, I must Obey him. The majority of us, majority of us don't know Jesus because we have not the remotest intention of obeying him. That's why he says, follow me. Because it requires you to do something, to follow him. Anyone can say, I believe in Jesus. Peter and Andrew probably thought Jesus was the Messiah. Mark says, Andrew's like, yeah, he's the Messiah. So why aren't they following him? Why weren't they following him? Mark says, that's right. Because they didn't start following him until the day by the, by, the, by the lake. When they finally turned their back on everything else, what do we need to turn our back on today? Because I'm sure all of us would say, I believe Jesus is the Messiah. I believe Jesus is the way that Jesus lives, alive. No one comes to Father except through him. But this box is empty, that box is empty, and that box is empty. We have not been investing. We have not been following him with our time. And so the boxes are empty. Jesus demands full surrender. Not because he's mean, but because he loves you. And he truly desires what's best for you. And he will bring you out of the dung pile that you're playing in. And into the kingdom of his love, where you have everything that you need. Why would we reject that offer? Really, I want to know. Jesus is calling each of you to follow him today. And, and he says, leave everything behind. Follow me alone. You will experience everything that I promised you. I'll do everything for you that you need, but I need your whole heart to trust me. You will get all of me, my whole work, but you're not going to experience it unless you give me all of you. That's how relationships work. My life is not my own, but I've been bought with a price and paid for. And I've willingly surrendered all of my life and possessions and relationships and time to so the lordship of Jesus. Can you say that? Can you say that? Well, even if you've never been able to say that before, I think right now is a time when you can. Because we're going we're gonna to all stand up real quick. We're done with our sermon. We're going to stand up. Whenever I get a, uh, would you get the lights for me? Whenever I get a, a a a message in my heart that's that's kind of difficult, or that I I always want God to uh, to do the heavy work inside our hearts. So I'm asking you to to be really honest inside your heart. Is God pushing you? Does He have His finger right on your heart, saying, "This is for you." Playing with trash when I love you. Is that is that you today? I did not come up with this. The Holy Spirit spoke to you guys today. I am an idiot. Everyone says Amen. But but even a donkey could be used to speak God's truth. I need this just as much as you. I, I want to follow Christ more. I don't want to invest more time with my father, with my family. And, and we just talked about 6% today. What if one of us is like, I'm going to invest all. I'm going to, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to serve the Lord. 100%. What would God do? Would you guys all close your eyes with me? Lord, we are... Believers, we stand in your presence, but Lord, there may be one or two or maybe more among us um, who have refused every day of our life to follow you. And we ask right now, your Holy Spirit, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and convict each of us in our hearts. I pray you'd give confidence and peace to those who have been following you and conviction to those who have not. But right now in this place, there is is an opportunity to repent and to change our direction and to turn our back on things that we have held so dear. And Jesus, I want to follow you fully. I want to leave behind everything Every net that I've been working on, every hope that I've had, everything I've, I've done, I want to leave it all behind and I want Jesus, you alone, to be my life.